You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Thank you for releasing us. This is our first Sunday back uh, after six weeks. And uh, we had two weeks in South Africa. The church that we planted in 1994 celebrated their 25th anniversary and invited us to come back and be part of that. So many great reminders um, at that church. Just this thing, you know, God is a God of nations. Uh, We counted up. You know, that, that church that we planted, we planted in a very small place. Total population, two towns, 20 miles apart. Total population, 60,000 people. And when we got together, the three of us that have led that church, we counted up how many nations we've, that church has had a weighted impact in, 15 nations. And just such a reminder that God is a God of nations. God wants every nation, every tongue, and every tribe. The book of Revelation, every nation, every tongue, and every tribe worshiping before Him on that final day, and it's the church's responsibility. It's the church's responsibility to get the gospel to the nations. It's absolutely remarkable. It gave me such fresh faith for what God can do with us here in an area, the greater Denver area, three million people. Imagine what God could do with us, in us, and through us if we truly open our hearts to what He wants to do in the context of the nations. And then God is a God of generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was wonderful to see the three generations of us that have led that church, uh, myself, Alex, and Mark Newman, just all together. we all still best mates. We love each other. We honor each other. Such an incredible privilege to see that and to see three generations of guys that have just held the line, stood in the gap, and kept being faithful and fruitful with what God simply has asked them to do. And then also a heart for the poor. We see that demonstrated throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New. The heart of the father for the alien, the refugee, the fatherless, the widow. It's that church that has that orphanage on their property, Ikaia So when we go next year, we're going to go to that church and to see the orphanage. God the Father carries such compassion for those that generally are overlooked by society and sometimes even overlooked by the church. But God wants to cover all of that, wants us to be a church that can reach nations, generations, poor there and here, disenfranchised there and here. Such great reminders for us in that trip. And then short vacation, and so absolutely wonderful to be back with you this morning. I want to cover some foundational stuff this morning ahead of what promises to be a very busy end to the year, strategic end to the year. And so we see this thing, I touched on this a little while ago. I know when Brad preached, he said, I haven't preached for two years. I actually listen to the sermons when I'm not here, so I know exactly what's going on. He said, I haven't preached for two years. At that point, it was two weeks, so anyway. Um, But we see this line fairly often in the Old Testament, according to the pattern, according to the pattern. And we see it with Noah's Ark, according to the pattern. They built the Ark according to the pattern, And, and Noah's Ark is is representation for us of salvation. We see Noah's ark built according to the pattern. Some strategic things missing from that pattern. No rudder and no sails. Very, very detailed instruction. No rudder and no sails. In other words, nothing that man could use to steer that ark. Our salvation totally in God's hands. And then the tabernacle. 
presence of God. Then the temple. And as they completed the temple, the glory of God, the cloud of the glory of God came in. It was so thick that people couldn't enter the, enter the, the temple. As they completed the temple, the Bible says, as they completed the temple according to the pattern. And so we've got to understand there's something of importance in this thing for us, of understanding the patterns that God works with. And every time we separate ourselves from God's pattern and God's plan, I believe we separate ourselves a little bit from His presence and from His provision. Now, God is a God of incredible grace and mercy, and He's a, he's a gracious Father, and He leads us. My favorite song, Psalm 73, you lead us by our right hand. That's the story for me of my four years of leadership of this church. I believe God has led us and led me by my right hand. Amazing thing, God gracious. So when I say we, we separate ourselves, it's not like we, we step one degree out and God says, okay, that, I'm done with you. God doesn't work like that. But we've simply got to understand this, that we separate. We separate by degrees, and we make it harder for ourselves. Um, people quote this as Bono. I, I believe it was Dudley. But, 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 but this thing, you know, that if we, find out, if, we, if we find out what God's doing, and we do what God's doing, it'll already be blessed. Yes. You know, it's when we're doing our own thing that we spend the rest of our lives crying out for God to bless it. It's like we do it according to the plan. We do it according to the pattern. We seek God in His Word. We go, this is the way forward, and it will already be blessed. That is definitely the way we want to go as a church as we move forward. We can apply that. Thank you, my babe. I'm so glad you showed up this morning. It would be, a, be lonely up here in the pulpit if it wasn't for you, Santos. Thank you. We can apply that in many areas of our life. We can apply that in family, in business, and even as a nation. But nowhere is it more true than it is in the church. We have to build the church according to the pattern. God has a plan and a pattern for salvation. He's got a plan and a pattern for taking care of his people. And he's got a plan and a pattern for bringing us to maturity. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 1. And we're going to read some stuff. Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses. You doing all right this morning? You all went quiet on me. What happened in the six weeks I was gone? I'm getting used to the accent again. Okay. It's my Mexican accent. <coughs> I does mess with people because I guess I look Mexican, which is está bien, no? Todos mexicanos, todos guapos, ¿no? Está bien. Yeah, sí. Oh, claro. Yeah, thank you. I just said it's okay to look like a Mexican because all Mexicans are good looking. So anyway. Okay, here we go. So people ask me where I'm from. I say Chihuahua. Where's your, where's your accent from? Chihuahua. It's all right. I'm just trying to help you. Just look like you need help waking up this morning. Okay, here we go. Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Quit messing around. Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I, I just want to focus on a few words 
As we lay some foundational truths here this morning, I want to focus on a few words in the first couple of verses of that thing. Philippians 1, to all the saints, this apostolic letter written primarily to all the saints. We've got to understand something there. That ministry is not about a few paid professionals. Actually, this apostolic letter about this thing, about partnership in the gospel, is written primarily to the saints. Saints are not dead Christians. They are the people that are in that church at that time. And if God had to write a letter to the saints of Redemption City Church, that would be y'all. Is that all right? To all the saints, God's pattern and plan for taking care of his people is primarily his people. It is primarily his people. I fly to uh, am I going? Sacramento on Thursday to ordain elders. I fly out on Thursday, fly back on Friday. But I fly in there to ordain elders. I'm going to teach them, I'm going to teach this church some of these things. We, we can't be waiting for the paid professionals. Not God's plan and pattern. God's plan and pattern is ministry happens through his people, primarily. Are you doing okay? That word saints, simply translated, those set apart by God or those set apart for God. That's all of us. All of us as believers. When we look at the plan and the pattern, we see this. More than 50 one another's. Love one another. Bear with one another. It's all of these things. We get to do the one another's. We can look at the gifts of the Spirit. And then Romans 12, verse 3. You can go there with me. Read a few texts here. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead Lead diligently. If it's to show mercy, do so cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Gee, what an incredible community. What an incredible picture of God's community. What an incredible picture of what God has for all of us to step into some of these things. I want to tell you, friends, I'm convinced of this. The anointed, trained, released people of God are always going to be the tip of the ministry spear. It's the people. It's the people in the pews every Sunday, every week, all day, every day. That's ministry. The problem is we keep equating ministry to the stage or the pulpit. You've heard me say this time and time and time again. We have to break away from what's important. We have to differentiate between what's important and what's visible. All right? The worship leader is visible. The preacher is visible. Worship team is visible. But there's stuff that goes on all the time that is dramatically important in the person's life that it is happening to. 
chill a little bit about Friday? Okay, late. Uh, can I? Um, just, it just is absolutely amazing. You know, when, when God's people are ministering to God's people, I think dramatic things happen. Sandy walks with some ladies on a Friday, and uh, this Friday asked Laurie, um, for those of you that don't know Laurie's testimony, on the heart transplant list, by her words, literally given a death sentence, right? Her told that she needed a heart transplant, but the wait list and her life expectancy, there was a two or three year difference, right, Laurie? Giving you a year to live and five years to get a heart or something like that, right? Dramatic healing, absolutely incredible dramatic healing. People prayed for Lori literally first Sunday she showed up at this church and just, she's off the heart transplant list. Doctors have told her that you cannot be on the heart transplant list, there's nothing wrong with your heart. That's doctors medically attested healing. And so Sandy, with, a, with one of the other ladies that's trusting for healing, asked Lori, Lori, can you come walk with us on Friday and can you share your testimony? And I just, just want to add a little postscript to this. I was mad because Sandy was late. She was late getting back. And I, and I was under pressure and she was late. But then, and hungry, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, angry. Oh. I thought you said hungry. I'm like, yeah, I was hungry too. I didn't even get breakfast. Anyway, the point is this. So when, but when she told me the story about what happened, you know, how at times they were all in tears and we all know when women get together and cry, then it seems like that was a good thing. As long as they weren't crying about their husbands, then that's a bad thing. So, uh, but, but that's the point, right? Sandy just talking about how deep this ministry was and, 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 and how they were all just encouraged by Laurie's story. And, and I'm just like, that's ministry. Can you see how vital and how important that was? And guess what? There wasn't a worship team there and there wasn't a pastor there. We've got to understand that, friends. And the more we can release that into the life of the church, the more God can do in us and through us. And the more God blesses us because we are choosing time and time again to step back into his pattern and not make it about a few special individuals, a few visible individuals, but make it about the people of God anointed by the Spirit of God. Now we've got something. You're doing all right. We can be a little bit naughty here and just ask you to turn in your Bibles and tell me the name of Jesus' worship leader. Or just find in your Bible the list of the big churches that Jesus preached in. See, we can't do that. It's, it's something that the modern church has equated with success. By the modern church's definition of success, Jesus was an absolute failure. Three years of ministry. Listen, I... I I get to hang with pastors every now and then. And I, and I want to tell you, most of the time when you hang with pastors, and we've tried to break this within NCMI a little bit, but most of the time when you hang with pastors, what they're asking you is this question. So how big is your church? And let me tell you, if you had to say to, your, if you had to, say to any pastor, we've been going for about three years, and we've got 12 people, they would be like, uh, 
Maybe you should just quit, bro, or maybe you should merge with another church. Do you know what I'm saying? And yet that's Jesus' model for ministry, pouring his life out into those people that he saw a future in. We read the breadth of the, of the New Testament, the breadth of the Gospels. We see this, Jesus with the 12, Jesus with the 12, Jesus with the 12, Jesus with the 3,000, Jesus with the 12, with the 12, with the 12, with the 4,000. But somehow modern thinking has gone to the 3,000 and the 4,000. When Jesus was all about laying down his life and investing it in the lives of people that he saw a future in. Are you doing okay? That's the plan and the pattern. And so we've got to understand that. We've got to begin to work according to that pattern and release people to get on with what God has called them to get on with. Are you doing all right? He chose ordinary men and he walked and talked and ministered to ordinary people. That's the plan and pattern for ministry right there. Second thing we see there is overseers, and I don't want us to be too caught up in that word. Go with me real quick to First Peter. First Peter chapter five. I don't want us to get too caught up in that word overseers, but just want to demonstrate something as we as we run through this thing real quick. To the elders among you. I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Can, can you see that? I mean, he used three different words there, but he's describing the same heart, the same title, the same position. I don't really have the language. He says elders, he says shepherds, and he says overseers. It's not... We can't, I don't want us to get caught up in that thing of, is there a difference between an elder and a shepherd? Is there a difference between an elder and a pastor? There isn't in Scripture. Those words are used interchangeably. They are different Greek words, but they all speak of the same person, if that makes sense. And we are trusting to see some couples added to our pastoral team later this year. Okay, this is the third one. This is the one where we're going to deacons. I'm convinced of this, friends. We want to get back to this biblical language of deacons. And we haven't, under my leadership, we've had team leaders and connect group leaders. And we, I, I want us to get back to the biblical pattern. I want us to get back to biblical language. And so just as we call our elders, pastors, shepherds, we want to get back to calling people that either lead a connect group or lead a team. We want to get back to calling them deacons. You doing all right? Yeah. I'm convinced of this, that when we get back to biblical language, we get back to biblical blessing. And that's because of this truth. When we use biblical language, we demonstrate that we are relying on the Scripture for wisdom and authority and not worldly wisdom. We demonstrate that we are relying on the Scriptures for wisdom and authority. And so, so many times we see this stuff creep into the life of the church. We have boards. We have committees. And none of those things are in Scripture. We just read that pattern. This apostolic team, this apostolic figure, Paul, he writes this apostolic letter, and he writes it to saints, along with the overseers and with the deacons. That's the pattern. When we look in the book of Acts, we see the apostles and the elders work things out together. Those are, those are biblical patterns that we, want to, that we want to go back to. We want to demonstrate our trust in God, and we want to see God bless us as we go forward. Are you, are you doing all right? So deacons, I know it sounds like a bit of an old-fashioned word. But it's a biblical word. 
You know, in, in that, that word has been misused, and I think the position of the deacon has been misused. Um, in some old models, the deacons were in charge of the church. The deacons oversaw the overseers, which doesn't make any sense to us when we, when we read this thing. Um, the deacons voted. Uh, deacons were a lifetime position. If you were made a deacon, there was no way out of that thing. Anyway, so a couple of texts real quick. Act 6, we're not going to go there for the sake of time. Act 6, we know this, that the Hebraic Jews and the Grecian Jews got into an argument because one of them wasn't getting their fair, their widows weren't getting a fair share of the bread. And so these guys, the, uh, the apostles come together and they say, it's not for us to wait on tables. This is not something for us to do. We want to appoint these men that are full of wisdom and full of the Spirit, and we want to have them take care of that stuff. Yeah. And so it's an, it's an incredible blessing in that church, and we never see that problem ever happen again. Diaconate is functional and therefore fluid. It's not a position or a title. It's not a hierarchical ladder to climb. It's not like, okay, if I'm a good deacon, I'll become an elder. And when I'm a good elder, I'll be a good lead elder. It's, it's not about that. It's function and form. And hopefully we'll see a little bit more about that in a little minute. If it, if it is about that, if it's not position or title, it's function or form, like I've said, we want to say that if anybody that leads a connect group or leads a volunteer team in the life of the church, those people are going to be deacons, right? And so when we call a deacons meeting, that's who we're calling. We're calling people that lead teams and lead things in the life of the church, lead connect groups in the life of the church. But what happens then when you stop leading that team? Or what happens when you want to take a break? And I'm not talking about, gee, we're not meeting this week. I'm talking about, gee, I feel like my season for leading a connect group is over, and I want to step out of leading a connect group for a season. Well, then you're no longer a deacon. Gee, some of you got nervous there. <laughs> if I'm no longer leading this church, I'm no longer the lead elder. Does that make you feel more comfortable? <laughs> it makes sense, right? <laughs> If I'm not leading, I'm not leading. You, do you know what I'm saying? Does that, does that make sense? And that's what I'm saying. It's about form and function. It's not about title and position. It's about form and function. If you're in the form and you're functioning in that position, then that's what you are. Yeah. Even on the apostolic team. I came on the New Covenant Ministries International Apostolic Team in 1995. And then we came to America around 2000, <clears throat> in 2000. And the church we took on in California had five people and $340,000 debt. That was my little welcome to your American dream package. But God, God did something in us and through us there, and it was absolutely, absolutely incredible. But, but the thing of being on translocal team is this, is your church can afford to release you, Right? can afford to release you like when you're gone, there's leadership in place. There's elders and leadership in place. And your church can afford to have you travel. That's two of the qualifications for being on the apostolic team. There was no way that church could do that. So I stepped off team. Are you doing okay? But in the six years that I was off this team, God opened doors for us to go into Mexico. And we went into Mexico. We that's another story. When we first started going into Mexico, we couldn't get anybody to meet with us. We'd do prisons and 
rehab houses and we'd sleep in the rehab house and we didn't have any money, but we were going because we knew God had called us. And so one night, Sandy and I were down there with, with Blue and Blaze and we slept in a hotel that cost us $6 for the night. You know that story, you get what we pay for, right? We definitely got $6 worth out of that hotel. Let me tell you something now. You switched off the light, you could hear the cockroaches. That's how many there were in the room. <clears throat> I, don't know where I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this. But, anyway. but, 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 my point, but my point is this. Is that, you know, a couple of years later, Ty had a conversation with me and he said, Bud, I'm ready to have you back on team. If you're ready to come on team. And I'm like, great, I was back on team. It's like I was on team, off team, back on team. doesn't matter. It's, it's not about title and position. It's about form and function. And we've got to see that for everything we do in the life of the church. Are you doing okay? There's no such thing as a deacon or an elder that is not leading, serving, functioning. If I'm no longer leading, I'm no longer the lead elder. Biblical pattern is this. I'm going quickly now. The biblical pattern is this. Elders oversee ministry. What does that mean? We give direction. We set doctrine. Deacons facilitate or lead the ministry, but the biblical pattern is this, that the community or the saints do the ministry. Are you doing okay? Elders oversee, deacons facilitate, saints do. There's an administrative component to this, and I'll finish with this real quick. Turn with me your Bibles to uh, Mark 6. Trying to save us some time. Mark 6. Look at that story of Jesus feeding the multitude. Because uh, I'm just pick up in verse 34 for the sake of time. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Interesting. Every time, Old Testament or New, that the Bible represent, uh, references sheep without a shepherd, it's seen as a negative thing, right? So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. We're going to touch on some of these things right now as we land. And he said to them, that they said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He said, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set out before the people. He also divided the two fish amongst them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten that day was 5,000. They only counted men, so chances are there was a whole lot more than just 5,000, right? In those days, they only counted men. And so we understand this thing. There's an administrative component that comes with this thing. A few highlights. Number one says this, you give them something to eat. And right there, we can see a pattern switch between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, manna and quail. 
God to us. New Testament, you give them something to eat. Loaves and fish through us. Did you see that? There's a, there's a pattern switcher. Old Testament was God to us. New Testament is God through us. You give them something to eat. Old Testament, I'll feed them in the desert. New Testament, you give them something to eat. And so it's a complete pattern switch that carries on throughout the New Testament. And then it says this, have them sit down in groups. Now listen, man. And the reason I got into the ministry was because they said there would be no math involved. I'm telling you now. <laughs> but but there's, no, there's no mathematical solution for this. There's no mathematical solution that feeds 10 to 12,000 people, if we're going to count all the people, not just the men. There's no mathematical solution. doesn't matter how you divide those groups up, 10s, 50s, 12. 13 and a half, it doesn't matter how you divide those groups up. There's no mathematical solution for feeding 10 to 12,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Are you doing okay? That's not a mathematical thing, but there's something of an administration. There's something of, uh, of understanding what God wants to do and how God wants to do it that releases the presence and the provision of God. That's all that's about. It's about understanding. Listen, if we do it God's way, we're going to see God's blessing. And I love where this thing lands. Oh, let, me, let me stop here first. Looked up to heaven and gave thanks. All we do is worship when we do it unto God. All we do is worship if we do it unto God. If we can constantly do that, look up, give thanks. Everything we do is unto the Lord. And then the last part, I love this. They all ate and we're satisfied. What an incredible thing. What an incredible thing. When I dream of a church, when I dream of a church, that's the church I dream of. Church where all ate and were satisfied. All ate and were satisfied. Now, if we're looking for that to happen in a 30-minute preach on a Sunday morning or a one-hour meeting on a Sunday morning, we are, we are never all going to eat and all be satisfied. That comes back to this thing of ministry, of people ministering to each other, of everybody getting involved, of us understanding the Old Testament was God to us, the New Testament is God through us. It's an understanding of, Laurie, can you come and share your testimony with us? Can you come and do this? Can you, and us stepping into that thing, and over that seven days of church life, Sunday to Sunday, all ate and were satisfied. That's the church I dream of, friends. And I'm absolutely convinced it's possible because I'm absolutely convinced it's God's plan and God's pattern for us. You doing all right? I, I want to do this real quick. We, we don't normally do this, but like I said, this is foundational. We want to ordain deacons. Not ordain, I'm sorry, I used the wrong word. We want to appoint deacons next Sunday, September 1st. Uh, but I do want to do this real quick. Does, does, I rushed through this stuff. Does anybody have any questions about deacons? We don't, know, we don't normally do this on Sunday morning, but question, thoughts, perspectives, real quick. Elders? You've got a question. No, my question is oh. thoughts. Well, gee, me, clearly me and you need to have a chat when we get home. So. Um, do I need to stand? Yes, you need to stand. I just want to make sure I got this right. So Terry spoke about the elders um, 
the elders, the deacons, and the saints. And uh, I just wanted to maybe just add this, that there's no, like he was saying, the elders oversee, the deacons facilitate, and the saints do. But each one of those leaders are servant-hearted men and women. The elders serve, they, they minister, they give out to the people. The same for the deacons. It's not like, okay, we speak down, you know, we, we're giving you the job to do, saints. It's we all servant-hearted in the way we do. So it's follow me as I follow Christ. And that's the elders follow Christ, the deacons follow Christ, and the saints follow Christ. And in that, we walk in our gifting and what God has gifted us with and allow God to use us wherever he wants to use us. So servant-hearted leaders. Maybe you should have preached this morning. <laughs> I could have got seven weeks off. Cliff notes. Did you have something? No. Oh, Andrew, do you want to add? Yeah. That's why I asked, That's why I asked brother. <laughs> it's, never, it's never quite as linear as we think. We want to put it all in nice little neat boxes. But it just never works like that. I mean, there's some responsibilities that I have as an elder that are actually priestly responsibilities. Yep. Preaching the gospel to people at work, that's a part of every one of our responsibilities. Yes. But providing direction to us as a community, that falls under the eldership piece. I mean, and so it's just like we wear different hats in terms of different responsibilities, but, uh, but it's, there's this grace to walk in the things that God has called us to walk in. And uh, I think there's incredible freedom in that. You know? And so uh, we want to make it a hierarchy. You know, you walk up the stepladder, but really it's, it's we, we're wearing different hats for the different job descriptions that we hold. And yep. so I think that's, there's great freedom in that. You know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just to add one thing in terms of the, the ministry element, you know, I've, I've heard stories of people that were frustrated because they were going through something and... They, they didn't get ministered to by, you know, the pastor or, you know, the elder person. And then it was like, well, you know, all I had was, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. They were checking in and so-and-so prayed for me. And I'm thinking, you were being ministered to Absolutely. through the church and through the community, even though, even though you didn't get direct time with the pastor. You had a community of people that were surrounding you, and that was ministry going on. So that's, a, that's just a distinction I want to give. It's like... Yep. If you're, if you're looking for ministry or need ministry, it doesn't always happen between, you know, you and a deacon, you and an elder. It's, it's the saints doing ministry. And that very person that's linking arms with you that you might just consider just a fellow friend that goes to a connect group with, you're being ministered to. Absolutely. So just wanted to throw that Brilliant. In. Brilliant. I mean, we never give one of these up for the other one, right? So it's not like saints, deacons, elders. Like I was a saint, now I'm a deacon, so I don't have to do saintly things. <laughs> so I don't have to, I, now that I'm a deacon, love one another. That's one of one another's. That's a saintly thing, so now I don't have to love people. Can you see what I'm saying? <laughs> don't work like that. And, and in essence, a deacon, the, that word in essence means a servant, an attendant. And so now that I'm an elder, I don't ever have to serve in the life of this church ever again. It doesn't work like that. We add two. Do you know what I'm saying? And we, we all saints, as the lead elder of the church, I'm a saint. I'm a priest in this household. 
And, and I think sometimes we need to just undo some of those things as well, you know. Uh, take, take a little bit of the heat off them and take a little bit of the organizational hierarchical thinking, as Andrew said, off them. You know what I mean? And we're going to TK and Sandy for marriage counseling. It's like, number one, I'm not a counselor. Right? But can we, get to as, can we get together as friends? And hopefully in the almost 30 years that Sandy and I have been married now, can we share some stuff about our marriage that could be helpful to you in your marriage? I hope so. But let's understand that. Let's not put all of these like tags and quotes on them. And that would help exactly with what Tim's saying. It's like, gee, does it have to be a thing? It doesn't seem like it from Scripture. It seems like there's this organic flow to ministry and this organic flow to the life of God being delivered to the people of God. That's what we want to tap into. Are you doing okay? So these are the guys. We, want to, we do want to say this. We do want to say this. this there are biblical qualifications. I'm going to read a list of names now. These are the guys we want to appoint next week. If you've got a biblical reason... For them not to be deacons, you need to come and talk to us before next week. And I mean a biblical reason, not like I don't like their face. <laughs> if that was true, I'd never be in ministry. So, and, not, and this is like there's a biblical reason, right? You can go look up the biblical qualifications for deacons and elders. 1 Timothy 3. Alistair and Valita at the back there. Wave at us, Alistair and Valita. There you go. They lead, a, they, lead a, they lead a connect group in the south, and they head up our counting team as we take up our... Uh, Offerings, Brad and Kendra are not here this morning, so they off. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Brad, and, Brad and Kendra lead a connect group. Um, Caleb and Lauren, wave at us, Caleb and Lauren, lead a, lead a connect group. Patrick and Samantha, Sam had her baby on Monday. Uh, Patrick and Samantha lead a connect group and head up our welcome team. Uh, Matt Godfrey leads a youth, youth connect down south. Joel Daniel, wave at us, Jolly. Joel Daniel leads a, a youth connect here in Westminster. Jesse and Tashina. Jesse and Tashina are about to start a connect group hosted by Naomi. Is that right? Have I got that all right? Jesse and Tashina are going to start a connect group in Naomi's pad. And uh, I think Jesse and Tashina probably lead more ministries in the life of the church than I do. But anyway, <laughs> they lead AV set up and just in general take care of a whole lot of stuff for us. Uh, and I think, for me, I think it's such a great example of that thing about the visible and important. What they do is so important to the life of this church and, and how we set up. Mario and Celine, hospitality, wave at us, Celine. Hospitality, and uh, is that it? Well, the, the others are elders. No, others are elders. So that's it for Dick. So please remember this. Please be praying for these couples. Like I said, if there's a biblical reason. Oh, they're not all couple. Well, that's not my problem. Bible says, listen, I'm just going to say, the Bible says, he who finds a wife. Seems like a you problem, not a me problem. You need to get on with the job, brother. If there, if there, is, anything, if there is anything biblical, please come and see us. Come and talk to one of the elders. Otherwise, we're going to appoint these deacons. 
We, try, we are, really are trusting. We're going to announce some more things next Sunday. We really are trusting some strategic decisions like this, getting back to biblical pattern, biblical language. We're trusting for the life of God to be delivered to us in the last quarter of the year. Let's stand together. Tim, you got the microphone, bro. Come pray for us. There we go. Lord, thank you for this time together, this time with you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence um, that has been here throughout. We pray, Lord, as we uh, just go forward in this new season in the life of the church, Lord, um, Lord, that we would follow you, that we would follow your pattern, Lord, that as you take us by our right hand, Lord, that we would grip on tightly and go wherever you go uh, and follow wherever you lead, Lord God. Uh, Lord, would you just bless each one here? Uh, Lord, those who are out perhaps sick or, or uh, just out getting some time to get refreshed, we pray, God, that you would bless them, uh, heal them. And, Lord, we pray your blessing over each one here as we go out this week. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.